Hey everybody and welcome to In Star Trek We Trust, a Star Trek podcast. Today we are discussing Comic-Con at Home 2021. We're all about Star Trek Prodigy and Star Trek Lower Decks. We finally got our first real look at Star Trek Prodigy and I'm very excited to discuss this today. I am one of your hosts, Kevin, joined by the other of your hosts, Ethan. So how do you feel about this reveal today, these reveals that we saw, uh, particularly with Prodigy? We knew a little bit about Lower Decks Season 2 already, but Prodigy. It, it was it was, it was, was fine. Mm-hmm. The reveals, I mean, you know, I have some specifics to say about them, but overall as a, as a showing, you know, yep. um, you know, well, not all that exciting, but I think we've learned now that Star Trek spreads it out over this and then star trek day and then maybe new york comic-con so how do you feel them how do you feel about them only deciding to focus on animation for this one well i get it it was a savvy business decision because they were playing up the paramount plus animation slate with the new colbert um animated news show which i did not actually see that panel but i do sort of like that um uh, there was something after the, the, the like the news parody yeah. one that that Paramount Plus has now that also plays on Colbert's YouTube channel. Sometimes I find it humorous. So oh, that's the uh, tuning out the news, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, th- I feel like didn't that come as a result of the pandemic or something like that? Isn't that like I'm not like, sure? Okay, I'm not sure, but it's pretty funny. But there was there was some show I knew there was there's like some family comedy I think that was coming after Lower yeah. Decks, I, which I didn't watch. I saw a trailer for it, but I didn't watch the actual panel but i might yeah, check it no, out but yeah yeah me but so it was um yeah it was fine i mean now that i say it it's kind of sad that star trek just sort of wrapped up with all their animation but i think it's more that they're taking the attention star trek gets probably and right. bringing the other animation along for a little attention too yeah and i i think we've been if you want my honest opinion i think we've been long overdue for some real look at star trek prodigy because we've been hearing about the show I think really for the past year and a half, uh, we've only known about the name for several months, but I think we've been long overdue some details on the show and we finally got them. And I know that a couple of podcast episodes ago, I think it was first contact day is when we got the first real, um, look at what the premise of the show was. And I remember telling you that, and you got very excited. Well, I'm still pretty excited about the premise of the show. And yeah. even more so because now it's they've put some meat on that bone, so mm-hmm. to speak. Where um I think the thing that really stuck out as far as that goes is that um Mulgrew said that the characters are gonna be sort of a proxy for kids that maybe don't know much about Star Trek. So through her hologram they're going to learn about Starfleet and Star Trek. So in a way it's gonna be a a sort of uh, a first contact for kids in Star right. Trek, right? And you know, just part of all these things always is marketing, and they want to hook the kids when they're young. And um, so, I think that'll be interesting to see how they choose to present Star Trek to kids through these characters. And I think the characters seem interesting enough. Um, and I like the idea of the story where it seems. Uh, the the part that was new is the fact that they seem to be escaping from something 
I wondered if maybe it was the emerald chain. Because it's possible. No. I mean, it seemed like he was in some sort of a being work, worked and he had to escape. Well, so I can tell you that's not the case because the show takes place, I believe, somewhat parallel in time to Lower Decks. But it also takes place in the Delta Quadrant where Voyager was set. Oh, okay. So I don't think well, you have to worry about that. So I wonder how they'll explain the ship. I'm sure they'll have to find it. Well, some of those alien species, though, uh, come from the Alpha Quadrant. There's a Tellarite. Who's that? I mean, I'm, well, I'm going to go through the character breakdown, but one of them is a Tellarite. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So this question, I have questions there. But one of the things I was going to say, because I like that you mentioned kids' first contact. So my own personal first contact with Trek is the original series, but also the animated series. Because right. the animated series back in the day played on Nickelodeon, and I was probably... Nickelodeon ran it for a long time, and I must have been, I don't know, all of four or five when I saw it. But And while I know that that show wasn't necessarily aimed at kids, I think it was definitely one of the audiences it was trying to reach while also reach original fans of Trek. But also doing Trek at that time was cheaper on animation. So, And I think in a way it was like killing three birds with one stone, if you will. But And I don't recall which one I saw first. But I enjoyed the animated that that animated series, even at that age, the, which is the age group I think they're looking for for this one. Yeah, so. I found that very strange how they kept saying the first Star Trek series targeted at a younger audience. Yeah, because I mean, when did the original um, the original series animated air? So the animated series aired on Saturday mornings. It began okay, in nineteen seventy three. So Saturday yeah. mornings were yeah. for kids' cartoons. So right. They're not fully accurate. And it did win an Emmy. It did win an Emmy for best children's programming. But I think that was also back when anything, for the most part, animated was was considered to be children's programming. Not the Flintstones, though. Well, that's what I was in the back of my head. But but it was also on a block of programming time. For kids. For kids, exactly. That's a strange representation, but whatever. That's how they want to work it. So, fine. Yeah. But um, I, I would say, in all fairness, though, they haven't done it since. And okay, I think it's overdue. You say, it's, it's overdue. Don't, but then don't you say it's the, the first. first time since 1970-whatever that we're marketing. Right, exactly. That's right. okay. That's fine. But what do you... What, really quick, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, do you feel like... You know, because I've always felt that Trek needed to expand its audience, like, into a different age group. And... I know that when I was that age, I was kind of the only one who watched Trek. My contemporaries did not watch it. There was nothing about it, I think, that really kind of appealed to them about it. So I sort of think, like, we, that separates the wheat from the shaft, you know? Like, we yeah. were the ones who we're just realized. Weird. We were just weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We were just weird. But right. we were not alone. There were many people in our place. Right. And, you know, uh, so we were talking about the Wonder Years recently outside of the podcast, but, you know, I mean, kids in the 60s were way into the the original series. And right. in the Wonder Years, like, his life revolves around till Winnie shows up or, yeah. you know, around Star Trek being uh, on and what's going on in Star Trek. So um, mm. I think it's a appeal to kids just, you know, I guess you have to have a little more attention span or a little less to do. 
I, I just wonder if it's if it's sort of their, and I'm not saying this is the wrong approach, but I'm just wondering if it's sort of like their way of doing appealing to kids in the way that some of these Star Wars animated series have done in the past, right? They want to try to get that because I think if you look at it like they're not Starfleet characters, right? They almost look like characters that you might see in a Star Wars show or even like maybe even like a like it's like a motley like Guardians of the Galaxy type of crew, right? Which it's almost like it could be easily mistaken as that and they'll almost like watch it because they'll think it's something else. Right, yeah, they're just appealing characters. Right. Yeah, I did think they looked very Star Wars first off. And um, I think, you know, it's fine. I, I don't mind it. I mean, it. if it works, then go for it. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like I said, I'm very interested to see how they present. What, so this would be an interesting view of how the maybe the current minds of Star Trek or maybe only these people making this show how they view what's important about star trek because yeah. they're essentially if they think of themselves as an intro primer then you know it's a big responsibility um i do well, i was surprised at some of the voice talent jason manzukas manzukas rather um you know from brooklyn 99 and the yep. good place yep. just being a comedian uh i think he's a big mouth also which I really love that animated show. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'll be playing the Telluride. Um, yep. And then D. Bradley Baker, who plays all of the clones on the Clone Wars, plus I think a bunch of other characters too, Yeah, plays the Blob, which I was surprised to hear. It, it sounds like an organic R2-D2. Yeah, it doesn't sound like that Blob is going to have any actual spoken dialogue. It's just going to be sounds. I think it'll be very R2-D2-like where sounds and you'll know from the sounds it's, it's a happy sound, a sad sound, a scared sound. Right. Well, I, well, Which I, is wild because he's such a talented voice actor. You know, he's, honestly, that was pretty impressive to be able to make those sounds. Yeah. But, to demonstrate that. Yeah. So why don't I, would it, would you want me to go through really quickly the kind of character breakdowns of what we, what we can expect? Um, sure. So, Really quickly, so in this panel, we got to meet the cast. We got to see who the characters they were playing. And, of course, we got to see a trailer at the end of the of the uh, panel. But some very interesting characters we're seeing on the show. So the first is a character named Gwen, who is a 17-year-old member of the Vaunaakat. I think that's how you say it. Which is not a previously known race on Trek. So she's raised on her father's desolate mining planet and grew up dreaming of exploring the stars. We have a Tellarite named Jacom Pog. And Tellarites are obviously a legacy race, and I'll be curious to know how a Tellarite winds up in the Delta Quadrant. He loves a good argument, as Tellarites do, regardless of his own opinion, and he'll always play devil's advocate for the sake of hearing all sides. Mm-hmm. It's one of the things that Jason Manzuka said was really fun about characters that he gets to be belligerent and arguing yeah. all the time. So that's interesting. Um, Dahl, who is a purple alien whose race is not yet known. That's the one you see at the end of the trailer who says, oh, I didn't realize there were so many stars. So he's a maverick and holds strong to his unwavering hope even in the toughest of times. And we have Murph, who is the blob, as we were just discussing who is an indestructible blob with curiously good timing and an insatiable appetite for ship parts. I feel like this guy, this character is going to be that scene stealer 
who's just gonna do something really cute and really funny mm, at the really most unexpected time. time. Just really just thinking R2, D2. Yeah. That's my whole feeling about that character so far. We have Rock Tech, who look who is very almost intimidating in appearance, has a very Hulk like appearance. But thing is actually the thing, the thing like the thing, Ben yes. Grimm. But played by what, an eight year old? The, well, the character is eight years old. I think the the actress who plays her is ten years old, but is ten years old. But this character is actually um, so she's actually very shy and doesn't hold back when it comes to her love of animals. So, despite of the despite the slightly intimidating appearance, she's actually a very shy, somewhat withdrawn character. This character. So this next character, I, I I'm very curious about. So this is a character named Zero, and I just love the idea of this character. So. Zero is a Medusan who all is a race who also appeared on the original series in the episode is there is there in no truth no beauty so it's a non-corporeal genderless energy-based life form known to cause insanity to any humanoid who gaze upon it in their natural form so they're inside a content a uh, containment suit what I find so interesting about that so that I find it but the other thing I find interesting is that so on the panel the actor doing the voice of this thing said that so Medusans can read your mind and they will actually speak what they're hearing the other person think. So I just think that there's so much potential for like the wrong thing to be said and like all of these like misunderstandings and like really like funny comedic moments. But he also did say that he will learn over time. Mm-hmm. So that to me, I don't know, something about that just speaks Star Trek to me so much. Like it's like that. I know none of the characters in here are human, but like this is that this is that character to me who's like this is Data. This is the one who, who is like, not human and looks and like is that mirror for humanity. So, um, and when do you ever have an anomaly as a character? I just I think I'm hoping Zero ends up being my favorite character on the show because I love what I'm hearing about this character so much. Yeah, it's a, that's a neat idea because we've seen these types of things a lot. Right. These beings that are just light beams that like float into the Enterprise and float around and mess things up, but we never right. really get to know one. So it's a neat idea. Yeah. Uh, what was it? Second episode of Lower Decks, the one that gave them the uh, the purple tri. They tried to capture it. Remember, gave them the purple. They wanted the purple tricorder <laughs> with them. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, yeah I, I I I'm very uh, and of course you know the other character I haven't mentioned is Emergency Command Hologram Captain Janeway, but we already know. Captain Janeway, of course. So I don't need to really go into any detail there. Yes, but I so. did like so. Uh, one of the things that Kate Mulgrew seems like a real cool lady. Mm. You know, she yeah. seems to like care about the work that she does. Doesn't just do things for the hell of it. Yeah, and I liked what she was saying about how you know kids are intelligent, and you have you can't just give them a pile of bullshit and expect them to take it. You have to make the stories actually grounded, and realistic, and right with real characters so you know it all sounds very promising i think already more promising than we expect well and i think also like and i think and i think for that type of audience i think captain janeway is the perfect star trek captain to have for that yeah picard is too much of a jerk you know kids don't like him right really. well and also when you think about it like janeway on voyager leading the crew lost in the delta quadrant i mean she was as much a mother figure as she was a captain to this crew. So I think that 
I, I mean, I, I think it's a perfect choice for the show to have Captain Janeway be there. So yeah, yeah, agreed. I wonder if we'll get any fill-ins on like how did she wind up a hologram, and I'm sure just a training program or something. Probably she was teaching at the academy. Yeah. But we learned on first contact. We learned on first contact day that they the show takes place in the Delta Quadrant, which is where Voyager was set. So, right. I'll, be very, I'll be very curious to know. So this show is going to have some pretty big direct links to Voyager. I mean, Captain Janeway, obviously. I mean, depending on where they are in the Delta Quadrant, we may see some races that we encountered on Voyager. We may see some ramifications of the mark that Voyager left on that part of space. So, yeah, I think there's... We'll see, there's some... we'll see the Borg. Oh, I know, right? We could see the Kazon again. We could see the Caretaker again. We could see... I mean, there's really anything. So... The Borg seem a little intense for a kid's show. Yeah, maybe. But that would be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's gonna be it's gonna be nice. I hope it works. I hope they're characters that people care about, and um, you know, it, it sounds like it's you've got some of the kind of standard things you expect from a good show. Yeah, and then you know, the kid that's dreaming of getting out doesn't know the big universe that awaits them, and then yeah. meeting these other characters who maybe are some more knowing than that character. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. So, given the concept of the show that it's about these kids who as you say seem to be running from something or at least the purple one yeah but i'm sure they're all running that's why they're all why else would they the, the the concept of finding a derelict starship and then going off on adventures together but also having captain janeway there with them who teaches them you know the morality and the values of starfleet mm-hmm. i mean i don't know to me this feels like an ex- a very trekky a very trek premise yeah yeah and i think it's neat because it will be freed from the rules and regulations and stuff right i mean i'm sure they'll be there but the kids will be, i'm sure have some hybrid of the rules and regulations of starfleet in their own personalities. yeah like i wonder i mean does this i mean is it fair to speculate like does this does the show eventually does Captain Janeway essentially train them to become rather than just teaching them values and morals and all that stuff? I mean, she's a training hologram, so I assume that means she can train them to become Starfleet officers, right? Mm. Is that what happens? And well, you know, I think do they do they eventually get you know get to the real Starfleet? Do they maybe pick up? find new crew members along the way like throughout the seasons on the show you know like i don't know i think from what mulgrew said is that because the hologram has her personality she's just helping them to get them because they're in a dangerous place she's helping yeah. them to get to a safer place yeah so i think she's going to be more as a helper to whatever their goals are yeah That's i mean what i expect I don't think it's clear to me that Captain Janeway, as she should, I mean, and she should not be because it's not the Kate, it's not the Captain Janeway show, is not the lead character on the show. Um, I think she's just one of the supporting characters. I mean, I I don't think it's going to say Star Trek Prodigy starring Kate Mulgrew, right? So I think she's just going to be that one who I'll be curious to see how much of a role she really does play on the show. Right. 
it's it's interesting too that on Voyager we had a very prominent hologram character. Yep. Now Mulgrew is playing a we don't know yet know how prominent, but at least somewhat prominent. I think overall, like I'm it, it for me in my closing thoughts on Prodigy. I'm looking forward to seeing it. I think it's going to be a very different type of Star Trek show. I like that they're going after a younger a younger demographic, a younger audience. But I still I still want to watch it. I still want to check it out. I still think yeah. I'll I still think I'll enjoy it. Yeah. Um one final thought and sort of a question and might spur another discussion, maybe not, but it's interesting to see now that they have this show for kids because if we remember not that long ago they very weirdly made two different short tracks that were clearly animated aimed at kids. Yeah. So it's almost like we saw them trying things out in public right? and landed on this because I remember at the time sort of wondering, eh, these are fine, but why are they doing this? Why are they doing what this? What yeah. is happening? What was the point of any of this? And So I, I just wonder if there were, that was part of the, the evolution to get to this show. Well, I mean, and I will say, I mean, the the animation style is just, it's beautiful. It I mean, looks I've, good. I no, feel like I'm watching a Pixar movie, like, as a show. It and, looks good. Yeah. Uh, it looks good. It's, it's, it's you know, and it's not because I'm biased, but it's, you know, it's not as good as the Clone Wars. But it is because you're biased. But it's good. <laughs> I'm not a good Bad Batch now, actually. Right. Because they really hit it to this level that's remarkable. But it is yeah. good. Yeah, I think it looks. I think the the animation style is just is it's amazing. It's. I mean, I don't watch a animated shows. I watch are actually like you know anime quality. Like I don't uh, watch yeah. a lot of animated shows that have this type of animation. So yeah. it stands out a little bit more for me. I don't really have anything to compare it to. So oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a Pixar, right? Right. Makes right. Sense. Right. Um, yeah, but so a little transition, and also to mention. A couple oh, and it's of coming things. out in fall twenty twenty one, by the way. Oh, good. I like that. Yeah. Um, I don't like the host. <laughs> I find him to be obnoxious. I, I can't believe I would say this, but I no, I wouldn't rather have Rui. He's better than Rui. I was more okay. entertained by Jerry O'Connell than Will Wheaton. This is this is Captain Jack. This is Command First Officer Jack Ransom here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's a cringe factor with both of them, but it's yeah. higher with Will Wheaton. Yeah, Will Wheaton's oh. like a cringe level of eight. This you, guy's like seven. You reminded me really quick. Sorry. So we didn't well, discuss getting there. Oh, okay. <laughs> so he's super obnoxious, but the benefit of having him hmm. is that he is married to number one from Strange New Worlds. And so we got a pop-in from the Strange New Worlds, Meet Peck, Mr. Spock, mm -hmm. and from, um, uh, you know, the blue lady from the X-Men, uh, number one. Ro Rebecca <laughs> Storm? No, not Storm. Who was it? Who did you uh, like? Uh, uh, Mystique. Mystique. Yeah, Mystique <laughs> came. Look at that. I couldn't think of her name. The blue lady. <laughs> Um, you can just say number one from Discovery. Well, I said Ethan Peck, Mr. Right. Spock, so I thought I had to say something before I said. Right. But I mean, we knew she one. was, but I love that you went to X-Men and not. That's what I know her most from. <laughs> not that, because she's on Trek now. Not that you're like, yeah, I know, she played number one. She's but I've spent years with her. I, I get it. I, yeah, I get it. I could have also said uh, Uncle Joey's 
ex-wife. Right. All right. Anyway. Yeah, so they popped in. It was literally nothing except seeing them. They're saying they're, they're practicing scenes or something. It doesn't right. make any sense because supposedly they just finished, didn't they? So, I'm weirdly enough, I had a conversation with somebody on Twitter about this because they were like, I thought they were done shooting the show. Like, and so somebody literally was like, wait, so Jerry's up in Canada, but how can he be in Canada? He tweeted today that he was like complaining about traffic in LA. And I'm like, this is not live. This was not, oh. this is not live. I said he changed shirts between panels. It's not live. This is not live. And I got into a conversation with somebody and somebody who I guess is, was one of the uh, like editors on this. He was like, yeah, we had to actually submit our panels to Comic-Con by like early June. So this was shot probably back in like May. Oh, okay. That's yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. So there was that. And the other thing that I thought was really silly and another reason I didn't really like him is because they were talking about getting Klingon translated and he's like, oh my God, where did you guys find a Klingon translator? Like, this is your Star Trek. You work for Star Trek. Of course right. they have Klingon translator. Well, so, I did I did laugh when he said, is this like a Craigslist thing? Yeah. Yeah. You, you work for Star Trek. But Paramount. The guy who wrote the Klingon language is probably still alive. I don't know. No, you're bringing him to speed dial. Mark Auckland. I don't think he's dead. Yeah. So yeah. that was just, he just, he's, he's silly. I don't. Yeah. Here's the thing, right? I just, I don't need the host of these things to do anything right. to entertain me. Right. I don't want the host to entertain me. The last thing I want is the host to entertain me. Yeah, you're a moderator. You're not supposed to... You're the one who... If you want to comment, great, but like, you gotta... Th it's all about the guests. You gotta throw it's it over a, them. It's not a stand-up set. You're not supposed to <laughs> right, correct. do a little song and dance. Well, and I think also, like, I, if Jerry O'Connell... And I agree with you. Like, I, but I did. He did entertain me. I did enjoy it. But like, it, I, that sort of thing. Like, when you talk about how does he? Why does he not like the Klingon thing? I can understand that if he was not in Star Trek and it was just somebody who's like, you know, somewhat ignorant of some of, of some of these things. But like, you know, for example, I'll give you. I'll give you an example. Skipping ahead for a second to the lower decks one, you know, Jerry was like doing the fake beaming up, and at one point, Tony Newsom's like, "Why are you beaming up so slowly? Is this like a?" I can understand if it was like an Archer era Enterprise thing. I'm like, yeah, like she knows her shit, she knows her stuff. Yeah, right? like that's good. Like, oh, don't yeah, try no, to play. True. But she did say, "I don't remember it ever beaming this slowly." And I'm thinking, like, well, there's all the times this interference. You right. Know. Right. Often it was very but she knew enough to be like well maybe in archer's time like okay like to say like yeah. oh that's when the technology was newer so it wasn't as you know but yeah she knows like jerry you're with the franchise these you know i know i'm not i, don't I think he was going for a joke yeah i don't expect to know everything but yeah yeah he was going for a joke and he should not have yeah I, it's more like My if, humble you're, opinion. if you're with the franchise don't let on that there's something you don't know yeah just ask people there's a lot of people there you could ask yeah all right. That's so, how you lose respect on. from your fans. Move it on. Lower decks. Lower decks. Uh, so, uh, let me just say one thing really quick, um, sure. if I could. The trailer for Lower Decks season two. I was laughing. I like roared in the first five seconds of the trailer. Um, it was really funny. Because it was when it was the opening when they're on top of the uh, it looks like they're repairing like a, a subspace relay or whatever, 
and they're just you know they're just admiring the beautiful view of the jeweled beauty of the galaxy and everything and what does she say like you can't appreciate this from some of the views inside the ship and they're just kind of taking it all in and so the best part she's saying it doesn't matter when you're out here you really realize like it doesn't matter what what deck you're on lower yes. decks you're on yes. the bridge we're all in this together right and then the and ship beams away the and then the cerritos just warps away and she goes and they left us they yeah, left she us is, she uh, is fantastic to me time oh she, dude when she and what i didn't realize i paused it because i was laughing so hard she will she did some i forget which comedy troupe but she was in some comedy troupe yeah like a well-known well-respected one so it makes a lot of sense now that's why she's so good she actually uh you know just a quick sidebar we you know we occasionally we were talking about like this uh, CNN special that they've been doing every week called History of the Sitcom. She was actually on one of the episodes last week. Oh, wow. Well, yeah. what's um, It was all about, like, the Friends era of sitcoms, and she oh, was like, okay. she was like, don't make me choose between Friends and Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You have to. You have to. Um, um, so, no, yeah, so yeah. if we're talking Huge about lap. the trailer first, which I'm yeah. totally fine, um, we get to see one of the, you know, Darmok race but here's the interesting thing so through the whole panel when they were talking they're talking to uh boimler actor whatever he is and um you know they're talking about all different franchises but they never mentioned the fact that he's in the boys which is you know yeah quite turning into quite the franchise itself but with carl when when the um the oh that's right don't start Mm -hmm. when the darmok race which i species whatever yep when he says his line, he says something like Rupunk when he joined the Seven. And the Seven is the name of like the Justice League in the boys. Oh, so really? I don't know if that was a boys reference. I don't know who oh. Rupunk is, whatever he said. Yeah. But I thought it might have been a boys reference. So it looks like he's going to be the one who replaces Jax. Remember Jax died off in the last Yes, season? he's going to be the so, but I think officer. It's- that is such a stroke of genius to have a Darmok alien and be like a fantastic source of comedy for the show. Yes, because yeah. it's always constantly going to be trying to understand the metaphors. Yes. Yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> I did notice really quickly, not to jump ahead, because, you know, some of the cuts in the trailer really quick, they were on Free Cloud. From I Picard. didn't catch them. Yeah. They were, you, see, you see a glimpse of Free Cloud because... You see quarks outside really quickly, but it's yeah, they're on. It's free cloud. Nice. Yeah. Um, I noticed that we see Tony Newsom. It's Tamarian, by the way. I'm sorry. That's the name of that race. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Freeman in the brig at one point. Yep. It was fun to learn that Jeffrey Combs will be doing the evil computer voice. Yes, I was very happy to see that. Uh, we see a Ferengi. Yep, we saw a Ferengi last season. And we see a Tom Paris plate that talks. A commemorative Tom Paris plate. Which, which they are going to be, which they are selling. Which they are going to be selling as actual merchandise. As president isn't already. Yeah. Um, commemorative plate. So the Tom Paris thing was so weird because I had just been telling you the other day, because I was listening to the Delta Flyers podcast that he hosts with Garrett Wang when they were rewatching Voyager. Mm-hmm. And he had mentioned that he was actually asked to make an appearance on Picard as Tom Paris. 
and he and even going back further than that, he had been asked. Robert Duncan had been asked to direct episodes and whatnot. So it was just it was really strange that Tom Paris made an appearance when, like, I had just been hearing about how he was potentially going to appear on on uh, Picard. And I also it also tickled me more because I know that you just don't like the character of Tom Paris. Yeah. I'm sure. I hope that he said when they asked him to be on Picard, he said, "You know what? It would be an honor, but I really don't want to." the show so I'm gonna right. stay but like I'm just thinking to myself like why does Boimler have a Tom Paris like there's so many questions like funny questions like why does he have a Tom Paris plate why is there a Tom Paris plate? why is he hallucinating why and why is he carrying it with him in the, in yes. the Jeffries too but like I don't and I can't know wait why. to see how they set that up because right. you know they'll set it up well yeah <laughs> it's going to be lovely um it was nice to hear that, you know, I know we were very positive about the show and I wasn't really plugged into any other reaction, but it sounds like they've gotten a lot of positive support from the fans. Mm. So that's nice. So much that Tony Newsom even said that Star Trek fans are so uh, sweet and wonderful. And I thought, really? Mm. Where are these sweet and wonderful fans, aside from us? Well, I think that the creator of the show, Mike McMahon, said something that articulated at least my reaction to the show perfectly when he said that when the show came on people said i'm sorry what is this mm-hmm. but by the time we got to the end we were like this is the best trek show they've made um you've heard me say that when i got the blu-ray i watched the blu-ray set like five times i've watched this show like probably no joke like 10 15 times the first season i literally can't get enough of it it's yeah. the I still think I will at the at the moment it's the best new Trek show and yeah they I didn't he say he said something like they had reached like a crescendo like toward the end of the season like the show had really found itself very very quickly I think yeah yeah it, I, and it's you know I had this feeling that like many things in um, media it's the it's the show or the album or the whatever when the people are just kind of almost forgotten by the corporation in charge where it's kind of they sort of just forget about them and let them do what they want mm. we always get the best thing and it seems like that's how it was with this show this was not really one of the marquee shows this was not your discovery or your picard no and i think so and in terms of like the fan reception um, I mean, I've seen some hate on it, but I will say it's well, the that's, yeah can't avoid that. But I will say it's the at least in the circles I've gone in, comment sections I frequented, message boards I frequented, and whatnot. It's the one that gets it the least. I think it. I think the show really just became like the. I don't know. Would you say is underdog the right the right term? Like it just it wasn't. I don't think it was like. I don't think pe- we expect. I don't think people expected it to be this enjoyable i think definitely the most the, the best received show the yeah. most consistently well received because right. all the other ones have their um detractors their vocal detractors i don't see many vocal detractors from this even the the real hater youtube channels we sometimes discuss they'll kind of say you know oh star trek has been totally destroyed and even an okay show like lower decks can't save it now but they sort of even admit that it's pretty good i think it's because when we first heard of the show um it wasn't clear like is it just going to be a straight up like comedy 
and to actually see the show and be like oh but they're actually telling us Star Trek stories like they're still doing stories that we could see on any of the other shows any I think if, of the- you, if you were to check the record you'll see that I was optimistic about it from the start I expected good things right So, so yeah, I mean, and it's, it's the Trek show that I honestly cannot get enough of. And I, I just, I satiate every look that we get at this new season. Yeah. Can't wait. Um, so what is the name of the actor? The one who I think is in a Wendy's commercial and I've received no confirmation. On it. <laughs> oh, uh, Rutherford. Yes. Rutherford. Um, it was very interesting to hear that Rutherford has been in The Mandalorian and Loki, both two shows that I watched pretty closely, and I did not notice him. I guess Eugene, I didn't know what he looks like. Eugene, uh, Eugene Cordero is his name. Yes. Yeah. So he's been in The Mandalorian and Loki, which really surprised me. Was it... Did they? I can't remember. Did they say what season of The Mandalorian? Is it the... I, mean, I could just I assume I could it's just the second but, yeah. I assume it's the second season because... Mm. Yeah, but... Yeah, so that was pretty interesting. Hmm. Um, I for some reason I thought Noelle Wells who plays Tendi. I, was, I never imagined what she would look like, but I thought it was I didn't expect she would look like that. That's we, just a personal weird thing when you you know you hear a voice and you sort of have some vague image in your head. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we've seen her in some of the um. The uh, material like. That they the after show stuff that they did last season, so this was not the first time I've seen what she looks like. But I th- so for me the biggest question that I have this coming season, because obviously Boimler gets back with the crew, but what is it that brings him back? Because obviously we left him on the Titan, so what is it that that gets him to come back to the to the Cerritos? Right, you know what? And before we even answer that. I just want to point out something that's very much related. And this is, I think, my biggest takeaway from either of the panels. So the creator of the show, he said, and this, brilliant, he said, uh, from season one, we left a lot of bills to pay. with the Yes. Characters. Yes. I, I love that. And my thought was just, oh, how wonderful, right? Yep. Just wrapping up knowing that the characters have gotten to a certain place and they need to do something with it or resolve it. Mm-hmm. You know, it just, there's a, there's a deft storytelling hand at the helm of the show. And it's so clear. Mm-hmm. And that was lovely to hear. And I really liked how he said that too. Bills to pay. That's, that's what I liked. I, I've never heard anybody refer to refer to it like that. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. I feel like that's one of the bills to pay. Now they have, he's gotten what he wanted, quote unquote. Um, Boimler, and now they're going to play that out. I was listening to another Trek podcast a few, like maybe a month ago, a month and a half ago. The Seventh Rule. It's hosted by Sirach Lawton, who played Jake Sisko on Deep Space Nine, and Aaron Eisenberg was actually one of his co one of his co-hosts before he passed away. They recently, and they bring along a lot of the uh, DS9 cast members to talk about stuff, and they, but they recently had Mike McMahon on the show. And this is before Comic-Con at home. And um, they got into Lower Decks, of course. And they did actually speak a little bit about season two. 
and I don't know if he just said this because he was on a DS9 centric podcast, but McMahon did say he's like in the writers' room. We are constantly trying to come up with a way to get them over to Deep Space Nine because he's like I he's like I want to see like I want to see um, Mariner like in Quark's bar. I want to see them all in Quark's bar, which to me was just yeah. sounds so delicious. Like them going to Quark's bar and like getting into trouble or something like that. That would be great. Yeah, and especially I mean they could encounter everybody at this the same time period, right? Whoever, yeah, I mean Odo wouldn't be there anymore because he's back. I mean he could be back, but oh yeah, Renee for of course had passed away. But like, and you know that Mariner would know Quark. Like this is just no. Of course she would. Oh yeah, yeah. Right. So yeah, she would know everybody. But he did say, like, you know, we want to get them on. We'd love to get them on there, cause, but it has to make sense. There has to be a reason for them to go there right. other than we're just going to go there because. Yeah. But I'll I mean, say, kinda... even if they go there just because. I know. I mean, to... everything that happened. I mean, everything I'm just going to call that one thing out because. Yeah. Yeah. Each storyline is just kind of like, oh, we got this thing we got to do now. You know, it's, right. it's not that much behind it. Yeah, I mean, it could easily just be, oh, now we could go to Deep Space Nine. What the heck? But it's again, not a big deal. Like, but I appreciate it. We, you and I were just talking about this. Like, I, I want to know the reason, but like, I, honestly, I don't really need to know a reason why Boimler is crawling to the Jeffrey Studio with a Tom Paris commemorative plate. <laughs> like, I, I want to see the setup, but like, because I, it, it, I think it's because the characters are just so well established that I don't really need you to kind of give me a reason or motivation for everything they are doing. I mean, I need a motivation for that one. That's what's wild. They could. And that where the humor will be. Whatever gets in there will be hilarious. The episode but could open on. with them docked at Deep Space Nine, just the same as it would be is that they're in orbit of a planet. We came, right. to, we came to DS9 because we're stopping off at Bajor getting, I don't know, something. Yeah, who right? cares? Right. Because, yeah, every mission they go on, it seems very random and out of nowhere. Right. Right. So, but, you know, whatever his thinking process is, keep doing it because he's doing it right. Yeah. And, and, but again, I, th- I think it's because them, the idea of them going to Quark's bar just is so irresistible and would just work so perfectly that, like, I, I don't really need some long, drawn out reason as to why they're there because it just, the two just fit together so perfectly. Yeah. I'm sure they'll get there at some point. Right. And in this modern era, in my opinion, DS9 needs a little bit of love because I feel like they're kind of leaving it behind. But I know your feelings on that. My theory is either they're saving it because they have something planned or this current creative team at the the head just doesn't want to use it, which is fine too because then the next creative team will do something with it and maybe it'll be better. Right. But... I think yes. it's because I think it's because they've spent the the they're on year three of trying to get Avery Brooks to come back as Cisco. So this is like a years long <laughs> negotiation. Right, right. Um, I think it's really funny that um, Tony Newsom was talking about how they're going to have new uniforms because yeah. oh I know you know it's such a tradition of Trek shows to have a new uniform, but even the animated ones they have a new uniform. Yes, I was very <laughs> I was very happy to hear that. I think the our big takeaway is kind of we're looking forward to some more great. Yeah. Lower decks, which is nice. It's really funny because I think I was saying to you earlier before we uh, began recording that if I see a trailer for a Trek show, one that will remain unnamed, and I'm like, 
Alright, well, looks like more of the same, I guess. And I'm just kind of like, ugh, and I use that as sort of like a aspect of frustration. Dis uh, lower, <laughs> lower decks, it looks like more of the same, but like, that's what I want. Mm -hmm. It It's... It's hitting all the right... It's hitting everything from season one again. Like, it's exactly what I want to see in the show. It, it, it's just the show has defined itself so clearly and so perfectly. And it's just really figured out so quickly what, it, what kind of show it wants to be. And it's just running with it. And I don't want the show to change. I, this is what I want the show to keep running with i just i yeah cannot yeah, sure sing enough is. praises on the show enough now i've got a weird thing to notice mm. so i really like when we the, these zoom interviews and whatnot because you see usually where the people live right so the boimler actor had one of the most interesting wall hangings I've ever seen. Yeah, Notice that this? red thing. I didn't. I was wondering what that was. So here's what it was: when you would when you buy a model kit, the pieces of the model come out, and they've got this frame oh, yeah, around the... the pieces, and you yes. have to pop out. So it was pieces of a model in the frame, like before you popped them out. But it was clearly oversized. Was it a Star Trek model? Could you tell? Be a decorative thing. I don't think it was. I think it was just an airplane. Okay. But it was very interesting. And the other thing was his his bike was in his living room, which makes me think that he doesn't have, you know, a huge L.A. Yeah. mansion. I think it was in a more modest place because you wouldn't put your bike in your living room unless you had to, as someone has put my bike in my living room. Right. I know. So I, that was interesting. I did that in my college apartment. I put my bike in my living room. I had a bike back then. Or like uh, Jerry Seinfeld, who hung it behind his living room. Right. Which never came off that wall. Nope. Um, so yeah, I mean, Lower Decks returns August twelfth, and we yeah we're about three weeks away from that, and that will kick off season five. Or, excuse me, our se our shows season six. Yes. Yeah. And we're coming up on one hundred episodes of this year podcast. This is ninety one. So one thing. So actually, I had one thing I wanted to ask you, and then one news item I wanted to bring up. So. I wanted to ask you something purely as a Trek fan at a very high level. So obviously, okay, obviously when we began doing this podcast, there was only one show on the air and that was discovery. Right. And back then, I mean, we had no way of knowing what was going to happen, that the TV franchise was suddenly just going to blow up like this. And we have what? Five shows now, six shows, something like that. I've lost count. Right. And and we're sitting here now talking about them, talking about different shows every time. And with the upcoming slate of shows, I mean, we're going to probably be going practically a full year with new mm -hmm. episodes, right? Um, obviously, every show is different. I wanted to ask you, as somebody who is fan is also fans of many other nerdy franchises, what do you think of what they are doing? with the Trek franchise these days? Do you feel like it's heading in a good direction and a not so good direction? Like what, what's your take on the direction of the franchise of the franchise and the things they are trying to do with it? Um, I think as a whole, I think it's kind of a scattershot mess. Hmm. Honestly, 
because it seems like their flagship show is, I mean, you know, we've listened to the past episodes. If somehow this is your first episode, because it's not just a, a opinion that is um, built from nothing. We have good reasons behind it, which we won't get into right now, but their flagship show is so bad. Flailing? No, it's not flailing. It is actually embarrassingly written. It, so I actually heard from something else today. Someone said this. They said uh, they said that a show was overproduced and underwritten. And I realized that that's exactly what they're doing. Overproduced and underwritten. So much money is being thrown into it, and they're not even making the scripts good. So the fact that their flagship show is terrible, yep. and yet they are not. They were not making a single move to make it not terrible. Is yeah. Uh, it's almost as if they sort of have to get forced into doing things that are good or accidentally do it. I feel like Lower Decks was an accident. This was not part of their broad plan for reviving Star Trek. Right. It was sort of a side thing that's become the best part of this new Trek. So mm-hmm. I really think that it's not being managed well. I think, so my thoughts are this. Um, I like what they're doing, right? But I think, so... A couple things. I, I like that each show is distinctly different, right? Because I and I have said in the past, like as much as we may love TNG, DS9, Voyager, Enterprise, they all felt like the same show. I think I said this on the voy on the on our Voyager episode that we did a few weeks ago. They all felt like the same show. Okay, writing aside, they just felt like the same show. And and because of that, they never they didn't try to do anything new and exciting and different, in my opinion, or at least not enough to really distinguish one show from the other. You could just you could or watch they tried it. to, but they weren't allowed to. Or they weren't allowed to. Each and I, each of these new shows to me has a distinct voice and is trying to do something totally different. And you may say to me, you know what? Picard's not for me. I'm not going to watch it, but I am going to watch Strange New Worlds, or I am going to watch Lower Decks, or whatever. Um, I think for me, where the where where I, I think what I where I kind of fall in line with you is in that there doesn't seem to be like a kind of grand vision of what they. What's the like? Okay, you have a bunch of shows, but what are you ultimately trying to? You just you just want to have a bunch of different shows for different people, right? Like, what's your grand? What's your what's your what's your plan? What's your grand vision? What's your roadmap for all of this? Right, it's kind of like I mentioned the the Disney Plus Star Wars shows as something where they're going to do the Mandalorian, they're going to do right and Ahsoka Tano show, but all those shows are going to be running like uh, time period in the universe simultaneously and then they're going to come together for something yeah so yeah. like yeah what is the plan here because it seems like we're just like oh wait maybe we can get patrick stewart that would be kind of cool you know like right it's and all just yeah like and and i think whatever we we i had mentioned this to you in our last episode i mean why couldn't it's a very rich universe i mean one thing that star trek has not done Strangely enough, despite the fact that shows reference each other all the time, you never really had a mass crossover of characters before. You had, you know, 
individual crossovers like here and there, but you never had like like where's the Avengers right. Star Trek story? And they certainly right? like, could have done that? that with Yeah. Yeah, they could have they could have done that. Because um, like there's a it is interesting. Go ahead. And they can't do it now because they're all in different time periods. Well, so I can't remember if it's a comic or a book. I think it's a comic where Q brings all these all the crews together and puts them into like a into a game and they all have to work together on something and figure yeah, something out. Yeah, that's best for comics. What? I think that's best for comics. Yeah, but because like, just they're so and this is something that I've I push back against in other franchises, but for this one, I will say they're so tonally different. Right. That it would be really weird to yeah. have them together. But you know what? I was just realizing that the um, the lower decks voice actors look so much like their characters that they could do it live action. You know, I was thinking that too. Like when I there was like I think there was a point where like Jack Quaid, who does the voice of um, Boimler, at one point like he he went to, he sat like a certain position I think, or he was like putting his hand on his face or whatever. And I'm just like. I was like, man, he actually does look like Boimler, which is not uncommon for people, for them for animators to do to actually make a character somewhat yeah. resemble the person who's voicing them. Um, and Freeman definitely looks like Tanya Newsom. Yeah. So, and I was thinking about this too, you know, in regard to that. Like, remember, like when TV shows would do like those major crossover events. Like, <laughs> you know, I would say, like, you know, the one I go to is the Golden Girls, Empty Nest, and Nurses when, like, a hurricane would blow through Miami and they would all, like, yeah. when Deep Space Nine and Next Gen were on the air together, like, that would have been such they were only on the year together for a year and a half, but, like, where was that, like, two-hour movie? Yeah, why not? Like, an episode, two... for, like, each one gets an hour of the episode and they have right. two-part. Like, doesn't make any sense. I, I had been reading something, like, I, I don't remember, it was Happy Days and Laverne and Shirley. There was a, the two shows at one point were on, they used most of the time they were on together the same night of the week. But when they were on, at one point they were on two different nights. And there was a plot, a season premiere, I think, that began on Happy Days and then concluded on Laverne and Shirley. Yeah, that's Like, brilliant. where was the kind of, and that's what I mean, like, where was the sort of interplay like that, where, like, a plot, instead of just a character appearing, like, where a plot begins on one show and then ends on another one. Or the two shows come together for, like, a two-hour, right. like, made-for-TV like, film. Like, um, you know, you know who does that remarkably well now is the... Well, I don't know about well, but the, the CWDC shows. Yeah. Every season, they have a crossover where they have... I think at one point it was five episodes that went across all the shows. Mm. It was remarkable. Yeah, um, and I think you run into that problem on Trek because all these shows take place in different time periods, right? But, and you know, we got some cool tie-in with Discovery and Picard with the Romulans and the Coat Malat and the the uh, Absolute Candle. Like, that was cool. Yeah. It was nice to see that. And even going back to, that was in Unification 3, the episode that we really liked. But I think, like, they need to do, I think they need to do that. They need to somehow, and I'm not saying they have to do it for, they don't have to, like, drive a golden spike through every single show. But... You know, if this Section 31 show comes, which some news on this came about recently, that apparently it's still going forward. Yeah. You know, if it does take place in the 23rd century, because I know that Shazad Latif was mentioned, who played Tyler. I mean, okay. it does is is there potential there for like that and Strange New Worlds? Right. I mean. Strange New Worlds. But, what? 
Oh yeah, because she's going to the past or whatever. Assuming right? she takes place in the 23rd century, I, I don't know if it is, but yeah. let's just say for the sake of argument, it is. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah, I, I just, I think that's a very ambitious thing for a production team that has trouble getting one season right. Right. I mean, if if I looked at all the seasons they've produced, I think there's more misses than hits. You know, co- combining all the shows. Yeah, you think so? Or at least it's a tie. So all the shows that we have now. Yeah. So Picard was fine. Right. I Lower think Dex. Lower Decks was fine. Oh, then you have three seasons of Discovery. Yeah, season one was okay. Yeah, but nothing we really hated in season one. No, so, nothing we really hated. Yeah. In season one. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like so, it's... So, okay. So, so it's three to two. They did three good to okay seasons, and then two wildly off yeah um yeah i mean i don't don't know what that ratio is but um that's ambitious to have a crossover especially considering all the you have to keep track of all the storylines production schedules i think it's i just don't think they i don't think the current team could do it i don't think the team of that show could do it but um yeah, I, I, but I think they need some kind of. I think they need some kind of event. I think. I think they need to some kind of like plan, ultimate plan, rather right. than just saying, "Oh, let's. Why don't we do a show on this?" And do, like, particularly if now there's yeah. a movie coming that's written by one of the former Discovery writers, so it's it's just like, yeah, now we're gonna do a movie. Who's gonna write? Now this person's gonna write. It just seems well, like it's all over. So thank you for giving me the context, because that's okay. actually not true anymore. Okay, but good. there is a movie. Um, why is that not true anymore? They fired her. No, no, no. Let me just grab this really quick. Um, there is word of a new Star Trek film and slated for 2023, which lands one division director, Matt Shackman. Okay. That's it. Okay. But it could, it could still be the same writer because it was the writer. Was the oh, well, yeah, that's right. You said write it. Well, yeah. maybe. I don't know. But I, I'm, you know, I'm at the point now where I, if it's a, I, I'll kind of like the section 31 show i'll just believe it when i see it yeah it sort of seems like with any company except for marvel they seem to usually pan out whatever they say but they just pick a year that seems far enough away and it seems like almost like they crossed their fingers like we could figure it out by then right yeah but yeah so whether or not it happens i'm thinking of dc probably 15 dc movies announced over the last somebody on the uh somebody on the trick bbs had like done the math and they had figured like with all the different Trek movie announcements we've had since beyond over the years if they had gone done all of them we would have had six new Trek films yeah including yeah. a Quentin Tarantino written one which that, that one's in the two I, I'm I'm you know I'm less concerned about the future of the film franchise I'm I'm happy with what we have on TV I'm uh, you know I'm happy with Picard I'm happy with Lower Decks hopefully yeah. I'm happy with Prodigy and then Hopefully, you know, strange new worlds. Hopefully, strange new worlds. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's more than enough there for me to enjoy already. Yeah, totally. So, but I would say, like, here's the thing. So, I just realized it actually when you said strange new worlds because I realized that I'm sort of holding my breath of like, right. please don't screw it up. But right. I don't think that like when they announce a new Star Wars show on Disney Plus, I don't think please don't screw it up. I think like, oh, I can't wait to see that. You know? Well, so I mean, it's... we've been because we've been burned. 
Yes. No pun intended. And that, I think that says a lot about the state of the franchise. And right. Us it's very, you know, committed, I, enthusiastic fans but have I will, to be hoping. But I will say this. I will say this. Yes. I don't think, in my opinion, I don't think it's fair. Point that banana at me like that? Yeah, I, I have a banana in my hands. Um, I, I'm going to eat this when we're done. I don't think it's fair to take one show's failings or perceived failings and put that on make and and use that as a way to say that we're uncertain about the future i mean i i get it well i know that there's a there's common people at the helm some at least there's common people yes yes not everyone i know that's not the same team right but the ultimate decision maker behind all of them the buck stops there right the buck has been you're right yeah, that's but, why. So it's not guaranteed because that was he was the same one who the Bucks stopped with with Picard, and that was okay. And said, I assume lower decks. When I had read the recent article about the status update on Section Thirty One, scripts are written. They were saying uh, Michelle Paradise was in there, and I was like, "Oh Jesus Christ, <laughs> is she going to be on the yeah. show?" I, I, here's the thing that bothered me is that uh, yeah. Kirkman said, "Like I'm optimistic about it," and my thought was like, "You're the, you're in charge of the whole goddamn thing." Shouldn't be optimistic. Optimistic is like we can be optimistic. We're not part of it. We just like hope it's going to be good. He shouldn't be hoping it's going to be good. He's in charge of it. Well, they she make Michelle, it good. Michelle Paradise said the same thing in one of those um, vignettes. Every time a new episode comes out, and one of the when they introduced Osira, she had said in that vignette. Osiris' name had been mentioned several times before, and you know you see people like make her mention her name with a little bit of fear, and she goes, "Hopefully, that kind of gives the impression that she's a." I forget her exact words, but she did say, yeah. "Hopefully, like." Yeah, hopefully that gives people understand the threat. It's like, well, if you were confident about your what you've done, hopefully you, you wouldn't say hopefully. Yeah. You would say we really built up this threat. Hmm. Not like I don't know. We mentioned her, so hopefully people. It sounds like you don't have at least have some confidence in your material. Um, no, it's a, it's a, it's a mess. I, I just, I don't get what the, I just don't understand what the delay has been with Section Thirty One. I, I think I, it's just not a priority. Well, you had been at telling this point. you the only thing I can think of now. I had, I had my theories before, but you had said to me some time ago, you had been reading something someplace about how they have these other shows or they have and we may not see some of them until one of them ends oh yeah right so yeah we may not see section 31 until i don't know a discovery ends now i know the discovery you know that they don't have a plan because right and i hate to say it because we're all very excited about stranger world the stranger world was like oh there's a shiny object run for that one so like, oh, people like this character. Let's make one of those. So clearly they didn't have a plan because what if people didn't have an outpouring for Pike? Then they wouldn't have made that show. Right. Well, and that one to me, I mean, whatever their slate of shows might have been. And and I, I, I'd be very curious to know how much the that fan petition that went around actually impacted the decision to make. I, like, I don't think it's 100% responsible because... No, but probably just a general buzz. Those short treks came pretty quickly. There was no way they could have done a short trek in time during that. So I think they knew, and they probably were like, maybe 
I think if anything, the fan response kind of guaranteed them like, okay, I think we need we we should probably. I think it solidified it a little bit, but I don't think it was like the be all end all of like that show. Right. But I think that. But I don't think it was part of their master plan when they. I don't think it was a part of their master plan. I think the coming years of track. I think it may have prioritized it and shuffled things around. Like, no, we need to. And also, when you say when people say nobody asked for this, like people were asking for that. Right. People were asking for that show. Like when yeah, the audience. Rarely told, we get the things we ask. Well, right, and when and my view, like if I'm in TV, when the audience is telling you something, you need to, you know, you got to listen to your fucking audience. Yeah, it's so it's it's hard to know because right, you know, there is a thing called the Twitterverse where you mm-hmm. have a very vocal minority on Twitter. Right. And I'm not even saying for this, like for anything that you hear a lot about. Yet I don't. The activity on Twitter does not equate the popular feelings among the no. country or the world. No. So I'm sure it's hard to tell for the people that have whose job it is to figure these things out. No, but I will say the the Captain Pike aspect of this whole thing between all those other shows that we have. That's the only thing. That's the only new thing introduced that has not gotten any haters i've not seen one negative thing about like anson mount as captain pike or rebecca made nothing i've not seen one negative thing about the even the prospect of the then prospect of doing a show about those three not one i've seen negative things about ethan pack but that's just because it's a long right you know nobody cares about number one or pike because there's no long history of you know whenever you step into nimoy's shoes there's going to be some people have a problem with Right, um, but yeah, I mean, so that I I realize you kind of gave a long answer. We kind of went into a long answer, but no, I agree. I I think it, there does not seem to be a a master plan, and while that doesn't hurt my enjoyment, I think that if if they had something, I mean, if they do, I mean, I I don't. It doesn't seem to me like they do. Um, <laughs> they're just kind of throwing shit at the wall. Like, oh yeah, what about sticks. this? Oh, that could be cool, and what you know. Um, Actually, no. Not even throwing shit as well to see what sticks because when one show doesn't stick, they just keep throwing it. Well, I wouldn't call it shit. I just think they're throwing things at the wall. <laughs> it's an expression. No, I know that, but like they're definitely throwing things at the wall to see what will stick. But yes. um, yeah, I, I just think that they need to have some kind of plan, and I, and I, I would probably equate it to Discovery comes out, CBS is like, okay, it's great. What do we, you know? I, like I don't think initially they were expecting it to be like this, but what they should have done is once they once we got to get all these once we were getting all these new show announcements, there should have been some kind of mandate or some kind of like roadmap for it, other than just saying let's do a show about this, let's do a show about that, and that could be cool. And hey, is Pat is Pat available? You know, yeah. so yeah, <laughs> I mean, took me a second, took yeah. me a second. Um, yeah, but you know that's the decision made. There's a one person in charge, I'm sure answers to some people at the corporate whatever, but they've right. made their decisions. Right. But, I mean, but at the moment, I mean, it's not, it's not keeping me from enjoying all of them. No, not at all. all of I them. just don't expect, so. you know, taking it as it comes, each one, see what happens. Yeah. But at the moment, the next one is one that, I think we know that we're going to enjoy, which is season two of Lower Decks, 
which is August 12th. And I mean, I think that's going to be our next episode. Makes sense. Which will kick off our new season, season six. And somewhere in all of this, because this is, we don't have the exact release date for prodigy they just said fall 2021 we don't have the exact release date for discovery which i assume is going to be we were saying it's probably going to follow the same release schedule as last time maybe but somewhere in all of that um we need to do an episode acknowledging the 20th anniversary of enterprise which i am i safe in saying it's still your favorite series oh i don't know because it was for a long time yeah, it's next gen again. Okay, but we need to. Uh, yeah, we need to acknowledge that, and obviously, we need to acknowledge our personal 100th episode at some point. Well, not at some point, but when we actually get there, which is going to be, which now yeah. is going to be somewhere in the middle of this, see, toward the end of season two of Lower Decks. But um, yeah, it's crazy to think that we've we've gone that long. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't have a plan. <laughs> no, it's right. We went into a very Kirkman like. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Uh, anything else you want to bring up? Should I just Not keep pointing this banana at you? Thing. All right. Well, everybody, we hope you all enjoyed the Comic Con panels. We will obviously be back with any news. Any if anything. Wait, when is um, Star Trek Four coming to theaters? Is that coming up? Oh, right, right, right. Oh, shit. You just gave me another idea. So, yeah, Star Trek Four is coming out in theaters next month in August. I forget the... I don't have the dates in front of me. For its 35th anniversary. So maybe we can do an episode about the 35th anniversary of the show. I know way, way back we did a commentary on Star Trek Four, but we didn't yeah, I don't actually... Think we were t- very, I don't think we're very good at commentaries. No, we did like three, and it was a good idea, but I just... It was fun. It was fun to do, but I... But we wound up watching it more than talking. What ends up happening with me is like I liked the idea of audio commentaries when DVDs were new, but now I'm just like, okay, shut up! I don't give a shit what you think. Um, I mean, it just depends. It just, honestly, it has to depend on who it's from, and if I've seen the movie a, a million times, and I can, it's fine. But yeah, um, you put it on while you're doing other things. But yeah. yeah, so that'll be sometime next month. Uh, maybe we could go. I think we have to find it on Fathom Events, maybe. But yes. we might. Maybe it's worth doing a 35th anniversary episode on star trek 4 the voyage home um because that that's our favorite trek film totally yeah it's hilarious uh there's also a i think for hallmark this year there's actually going to be a the star trek 4 klingon bird of prey as the hallmark ornament this year okay so if you're ready to think about christmas i would like to see the whales that one that's it they had a um, Newberry Comics had like a sculpture of it at one point. Me. Yeah, like there was like a fish. There was official whale merch at one point. <laughs> Love it. All right. Well, that'll do it for us today. Email us as always at in Star Trek We Trust at gmail.com and you can yep. tweet us or at tweet mail us at Star Trek We Trust on the Twitters. Later, skaters. Peace out, folks.